Station. Holmes again, flushed out. Cruz. And it's caught for the touchdown. Demarcus Robinson. Anthony Sherman. Touchdown. Patrick Mahomes with a rope. He's intercepted. And it's going to be a pick six for Chris Jones. It's time for the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. Driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. In trouble, flings it across his body. And it's And Kent Swanson. The snow is falling in Kansas City. As we start up, this the Arrowhead Pride tailgate is driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. The oh Chiefs my God. Ta- the Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos, the division rival. Pete Sweeney here with Dusty Likens behind the glass and sitting across from our Lead film and draft analyst at AP, Kent Swanson. Kent, it's Broncos week. How are you feeling today? I uh, I had to drive really slow to get here. All-wheel drive if you have it. There's no place I'd rather be right now than talking about Chiefs Broncos with you, Peter Sweeney. If you want to get involved, hit us on the text line 69306. You can also tweet us at 610SportsKC and at Arrowhead Pride. We're just about going to get into the three storylines to know, but before we do, I just want to make a note. As you're seeing the tweets come out of Arrowhead Stadium, it appears that the grounds crew chose not to tarp the field. Mm. And what's building right now as we get ready for Pat Mahomes and the homecoming of Drew Locke is a complete snow game. This is going to (laughs) be a snow game. And I'm not talking about where the Chiefs played the Colts last year in the playoffs and there was a little bit of snow here and there. It is blanketed right now. Uh, you know, I, anytime that you can, you know, make the field conditions as non-ideal for your injured quarterback, I, I think you've got to do it. So well, that's uh, a little grounds crew shade at I, the start of the I, show. No, I don't think it's on the grounds crew. I think it's, there's some conscious decision about this. I don't know. We'll we're gonna see. We're gonna see. We'll, we'll, let's see how the field looks. But I'm like, I'm here nervous about Patrick Mahomes' hand. Let's just my, be honest. My real amateur level grounds crew expertise tells me I don't know if you necessarily tarp it because it freezes the field and the Chiefs' field right now since they've rebuilt it is they they can heat it. So maybe they think it'll stay soft even if it's a little bit wet from the snow. Who knows? We're not experts in that field. Let's get into the three storylines. Storylines. Number one. Chiefs beat the Patriots last week, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, once again, suffers another ailment, this time to his hand. How does the quarterback respond to hurting his throwing hand. It's doing better. I mean, a lot of the swellings went out in these last two days, uh, and so I was able to throw the football around today, and I'm excited to go out and practice and be able to spin it around there. But uh, definitely, it was a little, little scary after the game when it, when it was when it was a little bit uh, either bruised and the swelling and stuff like that. But as uh, we've kind of done more and more treatment, uh, the swellings went away, so I was able to throw the football and everything. This has become like a game of operation: left ankle, right knee, right hand. What's next? They've just had the most. Famous kneecap, the most famous <laughs> high ankle, and now the most famous hand in Kansas City. There's just always something with Patrick Mahomes this year. It's not been fun. Uh, and hopefully he can survive long enough t- 
you know, to make a playoff run because it's just it's getting it's mounting up and you don't like to see that in his second year as the starting quarterback for this football team. What's been interesting here and something we're following here at 610 Sports Radio and AP is the Chiefs had to change their game plan last week for Mahomes hand. So you go into today with two game plans. We talked to Eric Bianami about that this week, where if something happens again, if he's tackled, if he re-hurts the hand, you have another way to go about winning the football game. You're almost going to have to alternate in the snow as well. You just hope he's healthy. From everything you're hearing, he's trending in the right direction. You should see the regular Mahomes that we're used to. Number two. The division is over. The AFC West has been won once again, but the Broncos are treating this game like it means something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every every divisional game is is important, and um, we struggled against the Chiefs the Chiefs past thing eight times. Um, and so, taking you know, we can go in and not if when we go in and you know take care of business uh, in Kansas City, you know, it's going to definitely shake up the the division a little bit, and and people are going to start to you know put us in that conversation of, of of a team that can win the division. And like like you said, the Chiefs have been running it for a while, and it's upon us to you know start the wave. Why not this next game? You know, not if, but when from wide receiver Cortland Sutton. Kent, when you heard that Sutton's out here throwing, I would say pseudo guarantees. How are you feeling about that? That's a that's a guarantee in my book, and. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't I think he needs to be reminded a little bit about how dominant the Chiefs have been of late, especially with Patrick Mahomes, who's four and zero against the Denver Broncos. Uh, if if they win, hats off to him. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. I think this thing's still going to run through Kansas City for a long time. I don't care if Drew Locke plays better. The Chiefs won the first time around back in that injury game for Patrick Mahomes, and Cortland Sutton was the leader in yards receiving for the Broncos. Manuel Sanders was still on the team at that point. Six catches. 87 yards for Cortland Sutton. You can obviously tell that he's going to be trying to do something similar today. Number three. It's the homecoming of that true son. True luck. Lee Summit in high school and Mizzou's own plays his first game at pro game at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday to face off against Mahomes. Our quarterback battle will come a bit later, but Locke was asked this week about what his friends say about Patrick Mahomes, given they're all from Missouri. You know, when I was... A senior in college that was that year that he went I mean, when I was a senior in college that was last year um, sorry well, last year when he was MVP um, you know I was at home and got to got to hear you know all about all about Patrick and how well he did and rightfully so he had one heck of a heck of a year and they were playing some really good football so you know my, my friends definitely think he's a very very good quarterback Drew Locke's got to be excited in his own right but it's got to be a little bit weird probably playing against someone you were actively rooting for last year right no it, it has to be I, I don't you know drew lock had no idea he was going to be winding up playing in the same division as patrick mahomes there probably was some chiefs fandom behind him but uh you know I, it's going to be fascinating to see how drew lock handles this because this isn't just playing in the national football league this is going home having to deal with all the outside factors that kind of come with coming home to play in your backyard right so you know, I, I, if, if he's had a lot of, you know, family trying to get tickets or having to try to make arrangements for all them, those kind of things, those distractions, I can get in the way of him having to prepare for a big football game for him. Jay Binkley, the Bink man, will join us just after 11 o'clock. He's a big Drew Locke supporter. He's got a little bit of orange on today. I think I saw a little orange. Oh. He's got, you know, he's got he's to support his guy Drew Locke a little bit. Just a hint. Nerd. Those are your three storylines to know. Of course, Mahomes' hand, Sutton. A little bit of a guarantee there. And Drew Locke's homecoming against Patrick Mahomes. Now it's time for your injury report. 
Ouch! 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 Ouch. Here's who's hurt. Danger Reports brought to you by Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people at WeBuyUglyHouses.com. For the Chiefs, Frank Clark and Damian Williams are questionable. There have been some reports over the last 12 hours that Clark is probably going to go. That is from NFL Network's James Palmer, while Damian Williams will probably be inactive for this game. We'll talk about that in just a second. Shot Fenton and Mo Claiborne have already been ruled out. When it comes down to Clark and Williams here, if you're having to choose one of these players, you'd pick Clark. Again, you'd like to have all your, your weapons, but Damian Williams has been a little bit of a non-factor this year. Yeah, I, I, I don't need I don't need a running back. <laughs> Frankly, they've had no problems. Kent hates running backs. Hashtag running, Kent, Kent about, hates running backs. Well, here's, here's the deal, Pete. The thing about running backs is they don't matter. <laughs> uh, they've they've, done, Dude, a, they've done just a fine job right. navigating with, you know, bottom of the barrel investments at the running back position. I, if I ever hear someone tell, talk about drafting a running back in the first round, I'm going to lose my mind. Frank Clark's very important to this football team. He's got five sacks in the last five games. He's been everything that the Chiefs thought he was going to be. And he's been playing through you know, injuries, and he's been playing through illness. He's huge to this football team, and I hope we get to see him continue to prove doubters wrong again this week against the Broncos. Yeah, reports last week came out and said that Clark was in the hospital dealing with this illness. He lost 12 pounds. Then an update the beginning of this week that it had reoccurred, a little bit of a relapse for Clark. They were trying to figure it out with the specialist. He wants to play, though. I mean, this is a guy who wants to play, and credit to him. He got his contract, and yet he's still trying to push through. It's a guy who really wants to win for his team, and it's going to be big today when we look at the Broncos side of the injury report. Adam Gustis, Jawan James, Ron Leary, Demarcus Walker, Jawan Winfrey have all been ruled out. The biggest names there are Leary and James. Broncos really without the right side of their line. Um, Dremont Jones, Joe Jones, and Noah Fant, another one to watch. They're all questionable in this game. So missing a few pieces along the offensive line, I think, is the biggest news. A massive. You you, you can't have that going up against this football team. You know, you've got a young quarterback, and you don't want – you want to try to make the, the conditions as ideal for him in the pocket. Not having the entire right side of your offensive line could present some problems to a team that's had success. The Chiefs have had some success affecting the pass of the season – so um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think it's something that could ultimately affect this football game significantly. And you're right about Drew Locke. I mean, this is the game for him, right? There's going to be butterflies going into this. He wants to perform well. If you can get to him early, make him uncomfortable, and start having him feel that pressure, maybe he can have the first bad game of his career. Again, he's only played two games. You know, I don't think he's actually he's held up great against pressure so far anyway to this point. I mean, he's done some really good things, but it's it's a tough challenge for him to just completely you know fight some bad habits that he had and I think if you get him throwing off his back foot, if you get him trying to throw quicker than he wants to, try to speed up his clock a little bit with some pressure, the Chiefs are going to be just fine. Quick numbers on some Noah, Noah fan after or from their win against the Houston Texans. That was a 38-24 win. Really turned it on last week. 113 yards and a touchdown from Drew Locke. So a little bit of a connection there with Locke and Fant. You know he's going to want him in the lineup. We should have an inactives coming up. You like Noah Fant? Uh, I do. Uh, and I liked him coming out of the draft. It's it's really tough for tight ends, rookie tight ends, to string together really good performances on back-to-back weeks. Um, and he's had some good stretches here, but I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about him. So uh, if, I, if I'm the Broncos. 
That is your Chiefs Broncos injury report. Again, brought to you by Homebesters, the We Buy Ugly Houses people at WeBuyUglyHouses.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig deeper into the game with the guys who watch it all on film, plus Craig's Beer of the Week. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. One loves defense and beer. The other loves offense and protein shakes. You can have a great plan, and guess what? That quarterback, someone does magic, and they can just make stuff happen. Here's Arrowhead Pride's Craig Stout and Matt Lane. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride tailgate as we get ready for the Denver Broncos visiting the Kansas City Chiefs this Week 15 matchup. Pat Mahomes versus Drew Locke will welcome on right now our Arrowhead Pride defensive film analyst. His name is Craig Stout. Craig, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Pete. How are you guys doing? You staying warm there? Trying to keep warm here in the studio. We look outside, and, I mean, there's a lot of powder. It's, it is. It is. It is white out there. It's, it's an early white Christmas type of day. I do want to ask you about this game. The biggest story is Drew Locke. You watch some of this film. How can the Chiefs make sure that Drew Locke doesn't have a happy homecoming today? Drew Locke has a big arm. and He's mobile. I mean, he, he has the capability to come in and do a little bit of stuff and that really tailored the offense to those strengths of his, running a lot of two-back pistols, running some read option, play action, and letting him take deep shots. But where Drew Locke kind of struggles a little bit is that pressure can make him throw balls that he shouldn't throw. Drew Locke isn't a guy that likes to take a sack. He's going to try and fit it into a window as he's getting hit. That lets him, you know, kind of float some balls in the secondary. He also likes to lock on to maybe his second read. Look at you. Kind of stay on that side of the field. I mean, just, yeah, it's a situation where the chief secondary if they can get a little pressure up front, can really make life difficult on Drew Locke. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I expect you like this favorable matchup of Alex Okafor, who returned a few games ago, and the somewhat injured Broncos offensive line here. Oh, man. The the Broncos are going to be missing the entire right side of their offensive line. I think the Chiefs are just going to be bringing the house from that side. They'll be able to win with their four-man rushes. They'll be able to win with their blitzes as well. I just think that, yeah, that's definitely a matchup that the Chiefs are favored in this week. So you seem really excited about that. Can I get a sack prediction? I know we're going to get a game prediction in a few moments. How many sacks today? Uh, Let's see. They had nine last time. I don't think it's going to be a nine this time. So I'm going to have to walk that back a little bit. I'll just go with eight. Eight? Eight's a reasonable. (laughs) Look at this guy. Seems fair. Oh, my God. (laughs) Something I noticed last week, and I thought it was great that you highlighted, was on the broadcast, Tony Romo. Tony Romo got it wrong. He said Bashad Breeland got lucky. Uh, what were the Chiefs doing in the secondary? How did Breeland come up with that football? What does it mean for this week? Well, Tony Romo gets to see things once live. I, I luckily have the ability to rewind it and watch it. All I'm hearing, Craig, all I'm hearing, Craig, is uh, Craig Stout smarter than Tony Romo. You, you can continue. <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely not the case. Tony is right 99.9% right. of the time. We just had the point one. Uh, Bashad Breeland was actually running a, a zone there. He was 
zoning off. He, his job is to carry the outside receiver vertical if he releases up the you know up the boundary there. Bashad Breland instead, as Julian Edelman cut underneath linebacker depth, was able to midpoint the second receiver and that boundary receiver and kind of zone off deep there. When Tom Brady saw that, he thought he could fit it over the top of Bashad Breland, thought he could fit it over the top of Reggie Ragland. Breland was able to drop, undercut that route while passing Edelman off underneath the linebackers there. So it was actually phenomenal technique by him. He did a great job there. What does it say about what this secondary is now capable of, maybe now in week 15 versus, say, week one training camp? I mean, there's trust. There's trust there. Steve Spagnuolo has these guys all on the same page. We saw last year at the end of the year, Eric Berry came in at the very end of the year, and he was still lining guys up. He was starting to organize the back end there. This year, when you see guys motion, when you see guys move around, offense is trying to create mismatches and trying to really exploit some, you know, frankly, not very talented Chiefs cornerbacks there. They are able to communicate well, trust each other, and pass it off. They are playing much better as a unit than they are individually as talents there. Steve Spagnuolo has gotten the most out of these guys trusting in each other, understanding what they need to do, and understanding you know exactly where the depths that they need to drop to and where they need to pass off and everything like that. It's just been a master class in the secondary this year from Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, you mentioned Spagnuolo. One last question before we get to your prediction. He mentioned Philip Lindsay this week as a potential game wrecker once again. What are the things to watch for for the Chiefs managing Lindsay and making sure that doesn't happen today? They just have to make sure that they keep him within the tackles there. Philip Lindsay is a very, very dangerous man outside of the tackles. He's got the burst to get to the gap, hit it hard, and work his way into the third level of the secondary, especially with some shaky footing out there this week. That could be dangerous. The Chiefs did a very good job keeping him within the tackles. The, the first matchup that they played against him kind of forced him to have to run through those heavier bodies. He's not the biggest guy in the world. You can see guys like Derek Nottie. You can see guys like Mike Pinnell be able to get an arm out and kind of stifle him there at the point of attack, not allow him to get those extra yards. He's not going to break a ton of tackles up front there. So if you make him run through those big bodies, make him run through the forest, basically, he's going to be able to be knocked down a little bit easier and you're going to be able to contain him more. All right, Craig, it's that time. Hit us with your beer of the week and then give us a game prediction. Uh, beer of the week this week is from Double Shift Brewing in Kansas City in the crossroads. It's called Tessellation. It is a 6.7% IPA. Mm. It is a fantastic beer, very bright. Everything that Double Shift makes is very, very top-notch. Get out there and try that. And then my prediction for this week I've got the Chiefs beating the Broncos 35 to 20. I Whoa. think the Broncos are going to hang with the Chiefs early. They're going to hang with the Chiefs early for a little bit here in the snow, especially. But I think the defense steps up, offense finally puts some points on the board, and the Chiefs run away with it late. Kent, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have the defensive film analyst predicting 55 points in the snow. I, <laughs> 35, 35, 55, 35 to- points. 55 total points. Oh, total in the snow. Yeah, you're right. I do. Good good adding. Good adding by me. Uh, that's Craig Stout. <laughs> Enjoy the game, Craig. You too. All right. From the defensive side of the football, we turn it to the offensive side of the ball and welcome in 
another film al- analyst for Arrowhead Pride, Matt Lane. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Craig's 55 total points as close <laughs> to the temperature it is out here for me, so oh, sh- I'm feeling warm and snug. Matt, of course, joining us from his version of the AP Laboratory in Carolina. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you first about Patrick Mahomes and the snow. And this is kind of hard to predict because we don't have a, a big sample size on this. But what do you predict Mahomes will be like in what should be this really snowy game at Arrowhead Stadium? The last time we've seen Patrick Mahomes in the snow is the time before. He's been fine. It has not affected him too much. And I think when you get a quarterback that kind of has the arm strength and not just the pure arm strength, the ability to kind of put the the whip on the ball and throw with just a, a little short motion, get a lot of velocity on the ball. It's not as big of a deal. I think the issue you might run into, though, is that his hand still is bobbing a little bit. Say it's still a little swollen, getting fitting and keeping a good grip on the ball to get that out there. It could show up at times, but you have two big, strong arm quarterbacks in this game. I doubt you see the snow affect them a whole lot in terms of their passing. Uh, Matt, Pat Mahomes this week in his press conference, you know, admitted to some inconsistencies with his drop, maybe not helping his offensive line as much uh, with some inconsistencies from the pocket. Do you expect that to get better this week against the Broncos? If it wasn't for the weather, I would certainly say so. I think the weather's just going to have a big effect all around. You're going to have a harder time as a pass rusher redirecting and trying to get back towards Patrick Mahomes. So if there ever was a week for him to maybe be able to get away with drifting a little bit more, it's going to be a week where the footing for your rushers aren't going to be as strong. I would like to see him step up in the pocket a little bit more, but most of the time in snow games, you get a lot of defenders going for more power rushes, trying to collapse the pocket rather than trying to bend around the edge just because they can't get the footing. This might be a week where that pocket doesn't exist as much as it has in the weeks in the past, and he might have to scramble outside of it a bit more. I did an an article on Arrowhead Pride on Saturday regarding McCole Hardman and just the dynamic weapon that he is when the ball is in his hands. You might agree with me. You might not. Do you want to see the Chiefs maybe utilize McCole Hardman in this offense a little bit more? I think you can get McCole Hardman some more touches, especially. I think right now – The limited snaps are a must. I don't know if they need to be as limited as they've been. I think he has a very specific set of skills that's working right now. So you need to maximize those a little bit more. I do think the Chiefs could up his snap counts a little bit, but really they need to focus on getting him more touches on the snaps he's getting. You don't want to become too predictable, but like you said, he's been one of the most dynamic weapons in the entire NFL when he gets the ball. Get him the ball a couple more times. You don't have to force him 10, 15 touches in a sure. game, but more than one or two would definitely be welcomed. And, yeah, I would not complain if we got to see more McCole Hardman <laughs> and more Byron Pringle take over some of DeMarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins snaps overall. I know the Chiefs have more trust than those other guys. But from what we've seen in terms of a production and efficiency rate, Hardman and Pringle have definitely – been better than the other guys so seeing more snaps for both of them would be a positive sign for me matt lane forever the pringle supporter we know that Uh, you can catch these guys great previews of the game on arrowheadpride.com they do them every week in yours this week you highlighted the chiefs needing to be prepared for some zone blitzes how do they handle that today that's the big thing that the broncos have changed this year especially the season got on with big fangio is they started to run more zone the first Chiefs Broncos matchup was still a lot of man coverage, and I think you were in the middle of the man coverage beats the Chiefs right now. They're in a lot more zone now, and Vic Fangio is not afraid to bring pressure. They've done a lot of cornerback blitzing. They'll bring linebackers too, but so far they really prefer their cornerbacks to come off the edge. So they're bringing slot pressure, linebacker pressure. They're bringing it everywhere. And when they do the zone blitz, you got three players deep, three players underneath, and that leaves a lot of football field to have for those guys to cover. 
The Chiefs do need to threaten them with their speed. Don't always take the quick checkdowns. Kareem Jackson's coming downhill pretty fast. He's looking for the quick pass in the flat. You might have to take some vertical shots against that pressure. The Chiefs are a team to do it as long as they get the time and they make the right reads. Yeah, they have the weapons to do so as well, especially with Tyreek Hill on this team. We talked about how Craig predicted a shootout, somewhat of a shootout in this game, 35-20. to 20. Matt, what is your prediction for this game? That's a lot of points from that field. That field looks a little wild right now. I think it's going to be a little bit sloppier of a game. I think both defenses are going to look better than both offenses the majority of the game. So I have to bet on the better defense that the best unit of offense, defense, unit in the entire game, Chiefs defense. Chiefs <laughs> 27, the Broncos 13. I think this is a week where Drew Locke struggles and looks like a rookie. Steve Spagnuolo has been on one lately calling great games. I think he's going to have a good game plan to really flummox Drew Locke, and the pressure is going to be too much for him. That's the voice of Matt Lane, a film analyst at Arrowhead Pride. Thank you, Matt. Enjoy the game. I'll thank you, guys. Go Chiefs. Matt, Craig, and Kent are members of the Arrowhead Pride Nerd Squad. They do Nerd. the Arrow- they do the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory every week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. You can also catch Craig's rapid breakdown of this game shortly after it at ArrowheadPride.com. Now it's time for the AP Player Spotlight. Let's go, Let's go. under the spotlight. Kent, Chiefs, Broncos, who are you watching? I am watching rookie Colin Saunders interior defensive line from Western Illinois. He's really kind of starting to come on a little bit. Colin, not Kalen, by the way. I called him Colin, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I just for for the people. Out okay, <laughs> you, you're, you're stressing me out here live on the air. I like Colin Saunders a lot, uh, and I think he's done a, a pretty good job as the season's gone on. He's built on his performances. I think he played pretty well in New England last week. He's a solid rotational player. He continues to get better. And the Broncos' offensive line is not good, and they're hurt. I think Colin Saunders gets a sack today. Craig predicted eight sacks, so you're predicting one of them. One of eight. One-eighth of the sacks. For a Colin Saunders. Go to Colin Saunders. I like Saunders. He's he's a great interview. He was asked this week some more insight. He was asked this week about maybe facing the what they call the college wall. But he really doesn't necessarily have that because he was sitting for four weeks. And I think that's been you know beneficial for him. He, he got to kind of get his feet wet as the season got along. And now he's kind of starting to, you know, he's, he's got a, a large sample size of performance to this point. But it, it, it's taken him a while to get there. I think he's going to be just fine. And I think he's a, a nice little piece to add moving forward. If you've been listening to the show, you've been following our stuff, you read our stuff on the web, you know who my AP player spotlight is on today. It's McCole Hardman. I just want to see him get the football a bit more. We were asking Eric the enemy about that this week, and he's explained it could be a depth chart thing. Let's talk about this first. There's Tyreek Hill, okay, and there's also uh, Sammy Watkins, and you got a Derek a D-Rob who's doing a hell of a job, and I mean, we have talent, you know. This is not a knock on McCole Hardiman, okay. We just have guys who can all make plays, okay, and I think the best thing that has happened to him is that these guys have accepted him as one of them. And so they're raising him and grooming him. Now, do not get me wrong. McCole has stepped up. He's making the most of every opportunity that's being presented to him. But also, too, he appreciates those opportunities because of the players that he's with. And he understands the value of making it happen when being given that, that chance to get to excel on the field. Thank you, Eric. I forgot the Chiefs had Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, and Derek D-Rob. McCole Hartman actually walked into the stadium today wearing a light-up Christmas sweater. I gotta find that on. I gotta find that on Twitter, man. 
I got to find that. I'm going to have to find it online, too, and buy one. The Chiefs just, they just tweeted it out. Uh, it's amazing. I think it's a sign of things to come. Hardman, maybe with some more touches, maybe can he'll, maybe light he'll, up. <laughs> maybe he's going to light up the scoreboard. <laughs> come on. Maybe light he up lights the up the Stevens. scoreboard, too. Coming up right after this, we'll tell you the actives and inactives, plus the AP sounds of the game. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate. Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. Holiday Magic, brought to you by Shane Company. Diamond hoop earrings, because you love the way she lights up her room. A sparkling mosaic pendant with shades of pink sapphires, because pink is her favorite color. A diamond tennis bracelet, because she gives so much and deserves the very best. The magic of Shane Company jewelry is that it allows you to capture your story with something that will last forever. Our holiday collection has great gifts from $100 to thousands. Our non-commissioned sales team is warm and welcoming. We'll help you find perfect gifts. Like our classic diamond gifts that she'll treasure forever. Our diamond tennis bracelets, solitaire studs, and decorative earring jackets are beautifully designed, made to last a lifetime, and will sparkle from across the room. Come in and unwrap the magic of jewelry. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company. Open weekdays, Saturdays, and Sundays from 9 till 9 and online at shanko.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.18%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.375% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. Listen up, fellas. DXL is built for big and tall guys, okay? Which means they've got clothes built for style, built for comfort, and best of all, built for you. Get this. DXL spent years developing their own sizing patterns to deliver a great fit every time and every size. And with over 100 brands, DXL will have you looking great. So head to DXL.com and check out a store near you. DXL Big and Tall. Built for you at DXL.com. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. They accept the challenge of people not believing in, in what we can accomplish here. With Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson. He's really trying to you know, build a defense with an attitude. Now it's time for Sounds of the Game. You know, we come here to win and we want to be the best. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. Inactives are out, and we will get to them in just a second. But first, we're going to start with the AP Sounds of the Game, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, Kansas City's home for car audio since 1967. This week, Von Miller, probably the most famous Bronco, he was asked why it's so damn hard to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, like you said before, it was just, you know, it's just a different team. It's just a different time and different regime. And, you know, Andy Reid has done an incredible job. You know, they're getting the players that he wants, getting his scheme in there. They got a hell of a quarterback. They got a, a hell of a tight end. Defense is playing lights out. So, you know, it's just, it's just a different time. We got to do our best to, you know, get it going over here again, you know, to try to shift the tie for us. So, you know, it's, um, it's depressing now that I think about it. We haven't beat those guys in a minute. Hope we have a good shot at them this weekend. I'm, I'm excited for it. That minute has been eight games long. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. 
Uh, the Broncos deserve that after all that success. They really, that. they really do. Especially Karma. since Karma. John John Elway has lucked into a lot of good things. Like he had the pedigree to convince Peyton Manning to come and win a Super Bowl with him. That's about it. Talked about McCole Hardman in the AP Player Spotlight. One of the options the Chiefs have, one of the options for Andy Reid, is having McCole Hardman and Tyree Kill on the field at the same time. You could argue that maybe these two guys are the fastest guys in the NFL at some points. Uh, here was Vic Fangio on dealing with that problem. It's hard. You know, those guys are extremely, extremely fast. You know, it almost looks sometimes when you're watching the tape like it's on fast forward. And um, they get down the field faster than any two guys in the league. And consequently, they run a lot of similar routes that other teams do, but they're at deeper levels because of the speed they have. And the speed, you know, always puts a little hesitancy into the – Defensive backs' minds. They know how fast they are. They, uh, they, they, the Chiefs obviously present some significant challenges. Uh, I you know, with the speed and, and, and I, I, I understand people are trying to to get McCole Hardman involved more, and I understand that whole thing. But he's been used at such an effective level, and he's right. being used in the right ways. His, he, he gets a couple opportunities. He gets some manufactured touches. He gets some shots down the field. But him just being on the field is allowing the Chiefs to not use Tyreek Hill as a runaway. And and they're able to throw stuff underneath McCole Hardman. That's his value. Um, and he presents, I mean, obviously teams are focused on him. Bill Belichick talked about McCole Hardman last week right, too. Right, And that, that listen, it's hard to de- hard for defenses to deal with. I, I, like I said, I mean, I've been saying it a number, number of times. I just would love to see a little bit more McCole Hardman. Our last sound of the game comes from Yahoo Sports, uh, Therese Paler. Uh, here was Therese on who is most responsible for the Chiefs' defensive success. Oh, man, that's a good one. Hey, can we show some love to Stags, man? Like, I, I just want to – look, the players know – the players are getting their love, and they deserve it. You know, Ty Matthew, Frank, Chris Jones, are good for those guys. And at the end of the day, they're playing. So I'm going to say the players, right? But let's face it, what you've been treated to defensively prior to this year – it, it puts you in a position where you probably didn't go as far as you should have gone, right? And it would get, it was again just this taking it and taking it and taking it. You know, oh, we're going to rush three, we're dropping eight. It's you know, it's just oh, you know, convert letting three straight third and ten in the biggest game of the year, um, not giving players the freedom to make changes and switch. Like, listen, Spags has been a breath of fresh air to Chiefs fans. And he's also been a breath of fresh air to people who didn't grow up here rooting for the Chiefs, but have watched all of their games and love football, like me. So it's great. <laughs> and in my opinion, man, let's just appreciate kind of what he's brought to the table. Thank you, Therese, for the shout-out for people who didn't grow up here who like watching the Chiefs. <laughs> my man, I can't. Spags deserves a lot of this, right? He, he absolutely does. There, I think there's three pieces here. I, I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Tyron Matthew for his help on the back end. you got to give a lot of credit to Frank Clark. I think both those guys have helped establish a culture that Spags wants. Steve Spagnolo does not have much of anything to work with at the cornerback position. <laughs> I don't care that they have played well. They are not a great group. They have masked the cornerback position extremely well for almost the entirety of this season. It could come back to bite him in the playoffs, but I think you've got to give Steve Spagnuolo a ton of credit for you know working with the back end of that defense. I think that's ultimately what is what has made this thing so successful, and hopefully they can sustain through the the rest of the season. 
on behalf of Arrowhead Pride, and just apologies for that for Charvarius and Bashad. I mean, Charvarius has played well, but my support. If you if you think, I mean, if you think that this group, <laughs> if you if you matched them up player for player with a bunch of other secondaries in the NFL, the, the cornerback position is one of the bottom eight or nine in the league. They are a lot of shade. Yeah, put your sunglasses on. Uh, the Chiefs and Actives today. Uh, so far, we have Damian Williams, Mo Claiborne, Rashad Fenton, Chad Henney, Jackson Barton, Nick Allegretti, Dion Yelder. No real surprises when it comes to inactives. We had told you the reports from NFL Network that said Damian Williams would probably sit this game. I think that's the right move if he can get better. I might have caught the thing that Frank Clark has, but Frank Clark in this game is active. You know what? You got to give it to this guy, and I said it before. You got to give it to this guy. He doesn't necessarily have to play. He's got his contract. He was paid. He wants to be there for his teammates. He wants to be there in one of the bigger games of the year. The Chiefs still have a realistic chance, if the Patriots can drop one here, of getting a number two seed. That would be huge for this team. So Frank Clark playing in this game. This is why the Chiefs felt comfortable paying Frank Clark as much money as they did, because he is a guy that is going to, he's not going to shut it down after he gets his contract. He's going to continue to push through, and he's going to continue to play through. And it's been a lot of adversity for him this year, including the illnesses that he's just experienced the last couple weeks, and he's still gone out and he's made big plays. I expect him to make another big play this week because that's the kind of guy he's been, and it's 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 been really enjoyable to watch him go out and do this. You've been a supporter from the beginning. Yeah. Why is that? I think if you watch the way he plays uh, and you watch the intensity that he that he puts out every single week and, and, and snap to snap, he's a guy that you can tell is a culture setter. He's a he's a, he's a tone setter. He's he's building this culture. And, you know, some guys, you know, D Ford, I'm, I'm not trying to like just slander D Ford. Yes, he was offsides in the biggest game of the year, but D Ford has had a lot of injuries this year. The Chiefs moved on from D Ford and they brought in a Frank Clark and it was 100 percent the right move for for schematic purposes. Right. For effort purposes, you know, for you know, your your best ability is your availability, and Frank Clark will do everything in his power to be available any given time, and you got You you gotta love that about him. And you spoke about Sanders a little bit earlier. Spags really likes these big ass guys. Yep, he does. He he typically covets a little bit more density in the middle of of his defense too. D Ford, D Ford wasn't that. D Ford was no D Ford. He would have been a sub rush player he probably would have played like 30 percent of the snaps if he was here in kansas city uh justin houston probably could have stuck around but i think on an on a play-by-play basis on an effort basis give me frank clark 10 times out of 10 against justin houston because justin houston wasn't just a consistent effort giver all the time he got his contract right frank clark is playing even though he already got his contract Frank Clark, if you look at the snap percentages this year, he's on the field when he was truly healthy for about 80-ish percent of the time in the game against the Oakland Raiders, only 54% of the snaps that he was dealing with the shoulder and his next stuff. And then while he was dealing with the sickness against the New England Patriots, he played around 30 snaps, 47%. I imagine the Chiefs will do the same thing today where they wait and use Frank Clark sparingly and strategically. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of Tano Passano and Alex Okafor. And I Jamon love Harris. TK. I, TK's coming on, man. TK's coming on. He's been providing a little bit of quality depth. I think you're excited to have him back next year on a contract year. Um, but, you know, I, I think you get Frank Clark in a, a little more limited role, but he's still going to go out there and he's going to whoop up on, on, the, uh, on the bad Broncos offensive line a few times this week. On the Broncos side of it, here are the inactives today against the Chiefs. Uh, Shaquille Taylor. 
Demarcus Walker, Ron Leary, Jawan James, Calvin Anderson, Dremont Jones, and Adam Gotsis. No real surprises on that side. The one thing we were, were talking about, Noah Fant will play in this game. Yeah, that's that's a big one for the Broncos. I, I mean, I think the, the, the list of inactives is still pretty big because they are beat up up front. They the had Broncos a record beat up. on Thursday. I put it on AP. They had a record for them, season-high record. 18 players listed on the injury report. And Aaron Borgman, our guy, will tell you the first thing is just because they're on the injury report doesn't mean they're not necessarily going to play, but that means they're receiving some type of treatment. Right. That's a lot of guys in the injury room, man. And now you're playing on a freezing cold field uh, without a lot of depth and and you know, talent on your defensive and offensive line. I mean, Dremont Jones, Gotsis, and Demarcus Walker were all big players for them on the defensive line. And we know that they have their entire starting right side of their offensive line uh, inactive with a rookie quarterback in his third game. It's, 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 it's going to be rough for them. I'm looking right now. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest on his Twitter has tweeted out a picture. The Chiefs grounds crew is starting to clear out the lines for this game. As I look at the weather report, you know, I feel like I'm an amateur weather expert right now re- reading the reports here. At noon, Arrowhead time, there's a 75% chance of snow. It'll snow up until the game game time, and then there's a 75 to 80% chance for the duration of this game. So this will officially be a snow game at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, we're going to get it for the duration of the game. You hope Mahomes' hand holds up okay, doesn't get you know re-aggravated, because that's been the word of 2019 is the re-aggravation, uh, because that's that's what Mahomes has had to deal with a lot with it, some of his injuries. So, um, you know, let, let's, let's hope everything holds up okay. I don't think it's going to affect either team too much either way. If you're listening at home and you're in your fantasy semifinals, your or it could be your finals, depending on how your league goes, we have an expert coming up next. Paul Charchi of Fanball.com. Text your questions in. I'll ask him the questions. If you're listening and you have a burning fantasy question, I'll ask him 69306, or you can hit us at Arrowhead Pride on Twitter. It's Paul Charchi up next on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. The Arrowhead Pride tailgate show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. that time again here to help set your lineup is fantasy football hall of famer paul charchian from fanball.com welcome back into the arrowhead pride tailgate we're previewing chiefs and broncos coming up in just about an hour and 15 minutes not only is it chiefs broncos day it is also fantasy playoff day for a lot of people and if you're out of the playoffs you might be playing dfs so with that we welcome on paul charchian paul how you doing I'm doing well, thank you. And a fun game. It's gonna be. I'm, I'm trying to watch eight games, but the snow games are always the most fun, right? These are the ones you, everybody wants to watch football in the snow and the mud, the mud, the bad conditions. It's gonna be a blast today. Paul, well, I gotta be. I gotta be really selfish right now. I'm in a. I'm in a fantasy semi. <laughs> I'm in a fantasy semifinal right now, and I'm looking outside, and I see the snow. I have an option here: Patrick Mahomes or Baker Mayfield. What, what what do I do here? I, I am going back and forth. I have an hour to decide. What do you think? It's not as it's not as obvious as it sounds. Baker Mayfield's my favorite sleeper quarterback of this week. Right. Um. It's in a great matchup. But I've got him. I got make Baker Mayfield at ten. I've got Mahomes at six, which is probably his lowest ranking of the year. Um. I. Here's, here's why I think if I were in your shoes, especially living in Kansas City, I think I would stick with Mahomes because if you get it wrong, 
and you left <laughs> Mahomes on the bench. You got to live with that all off season. You got to talk Mahomes every damn day and know that you benched him in the semifinals. I don't think I can live with myself. I know. I've been thinking about that, but I also would feel that on the other side, if Baker goes off for 40 and Mahomes is injured and early in this game as well, I'm just a little bit worried about it. Um, our boss man, Understandable. Is, our boss man has put out, uh, he's debating between Cortland Sutton and Debo Samuel. What do you think about that? Um, I like, uh, I like Debo Samuel better. Although Sutton, just to be clear, Sutton's awesome. And he is going to be a really good you know, receiver. And I got him ranked 13 and 14 with the exact same grade on them. So we're really in coin flip territory, but I got Samuel <laughs> one spot higher and really, he's lit up ever since Emmanuel Sanders came to town, in part because I think as a rookie, he just finally got better over the course of the season, but also because Sanders sucks up so much of the defensive attention that Samuel always enjoys single-man coverage, and I think that's worked out for him. Falcon secondary has gotten better lately, but I'm still not convinced that they're entirely good to go here, and they're really thin at quarterback, cornerback due to some injuries. So, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Debo Samuel the nod, but Cortland Sutton's really good i'm just i have a lot of respect for the kansas city secondary over the course of this year and what they've done i'm going to take a few questions from the text line in just a second but you mentioned baker mayfield as being your quarterback sleeper when it comes to daily fantasy for those out of the playoffs this week who are some of your sleepers that you really really like that you should consider spending the money on yeah i mean at quarterback baker is probably my favorite sleeper although you could pivot to kyle allen as another guy that i think is is a good option if uh, if we get away a little further away from uh, the quarterback position, a couple other plays that I really like. Rashad Perriman is your new starting wide receiver in Tampa. He's been a great A bus since being a first round flameout for Baltimore. But Mike Evans out, he comes in, and the only thing Rashad Perriman can do is run straight and run fast. And that's a great recipe against the Lions, the team giving up the third most receptions of 20 or more yards. So I like Brashad Perryman. I like DeAndre Washington. He is the backup running back for the Raiders. Even though Josh Jacobs is expected to start with his shoulder injury, Washington can get a lot done against the worst run defense in the NFL in Jacksonville. Um, so those are all – and Ryan Tannehill still grossly under under – Christ, considering how good he's been, and he's got a delicious matchup against Houston uh, today. They've given up three or four touchdowns in half their games. Um, so I, I love Dan. It was my number three-ranked quarterback this week. Charge, I love that. I just got to say that before I ask you some of these more questions. Delicious matchup. I mean, that is something I need to say more. I love mm. that. <laughs> it is a delicious matchup. <laughs> Analyzing, delicious, Nerd. savory. <laughs> you mentioned Tannehill. Uh, here's a question from the text line right now. So you would take Tannehill over Jameis Winston, or what do you think about this guy who's trending towards? I would. No, you would. Thirty touchdowns, yeah. thirty picks. Yeah, the thirty thirty club is possible for Jameis Winston, which would be amazing. <laughs> you got to be a pretty good quarterback to throw thirty interceptions in a season and never get yanked. That's you know that's staggering. Now. The problem is he's got the thumb injury. He spent the week tossing a tennis ball around. Okay. So I just, I just that's the part. If if Jameis Winston were at full health and he had Mike Evans, he'd probably be like quarterback two this week. But without Evans um, and with a thumb injury, he's down at quarterback seven, still startable. Uh, but just acknowledging there's some there's some additional risk with him this week. So you don't you're not really high because of the injury. Someone else asked Drew Brees. So you would take Drew Brees, Tannehill, these guys over Winston. Yeah, and okay. I, I love Brees' matchup against Indianapolis. And it, it's you know it's weird that Drew Brees has, has had these two bad games against the Falcons in the last like month or so. But other than that, 
he's been downright explosive against basically everybody. And, man, the Colts have got some quit in them that I did not expect to see. And they have struggled with good receivers throughout this season. And it's, uh, you know, they're getting one of the best, obviously, in Michael Thomas. Continuing to help out the text line 69306, here's a wide receiver question. Do you like Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, or Tyler Lockett with the Seattle Seahawks? Well, so Lockett was great for you know, for most of the season up until a month ago. Um, we suffered an injury, missed a game, came back. Actually, I don't even think he did miss a game. Came back, and then he just, they just haven't thrown to him at all. He got, a, got the flu. Uh, you know, he's been playing through illness. But it feels like this is a great opportunity for him to get right back on track. And I, I still like him a, a lot in this game against Carolina. It's a Panthers secondary that's just fallen off a cliff in recent weeks. Over the last five games, Carolina's giving up almost 200 yards just to wide receivers, including at least one receiver getting 93 yards or more. So um, I, I, I still like Lockett here, and I want to believe he's going to come back and come back and play well. It's just two more questions here for you. DJ Moore, I guess this is a flex question. DJ Moore or Marlon Mack, who do you like better in that flex position? See, the problem with Marlon Mack is, um, you know, in addition to the fact that offense has just been is broken anytime T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, um, yeah. is, is, is Mack just not getting on the field enough? Even last week as the starter, he was only on the field for about 40% of the team's plays, and then they rotate in. Jonathan Williams and some Jordan Wilkins and some Nike Himes. And that's just, it's just, it's just, we need work, we need workhorse level contributions from him. That's not what we're getting of late. So I would, I'd start DJ Moore, who's been, frankly, just really quietly super consistent. At least 81 yards receiving and or a touchdown in six straight games for DJ Moore. Who doesn't love that? And then the final question here for Carson, another quarterback question Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan, as we wrap up with Paul Charging, fanball.com. Uh, Matt Ryan, Carson now, Wentz. Norm, yeah, normally I would have been, and originally earlier in the week, I was really nervous about about Matt Ryan. But listen to the defensive injuries to the 49ers. Defensive tackle Julian Taylor, out. Then uh, cornerback uh, Kewan Williams, out. Safety Jaquiski Tart, out. Richard Sherman, out. D Ford, you're familiar, out. <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. They're, you know, they're, missing, they're missing six members of their starting defense. So you roll all that together, and I think it's back to game on for Matt Ryan, even though he doesn't have Calvin Ridley. That is the uh, that is the voice of fantasy expert Paul Charching of Fanball.com. Charge, what's going on at Fanball today? Fanball.com slash Charge gets you all my player rankings so you can help answer all of your bench start questions here in the semifinals. Obviously, everything's very important right now. Um, and so those are all available for free. You can also play against me for $1,000. Uh, today, also for free, and if you beat my team, even if you don't get any part of the money, if you beat my team, you get an entry to our Week 17 $10,000 contest as well. Fanball.com slash Charge. All right, Charge, enjoy the games and stay warm. Thanks, guys. We'll uh... Damn. <laughs> that was something. We lost him real quick. Uh, he's, he's a busy man, apparently. You could say that after that phone call, Charge is history, and now it's time for this week in Chiefs history. Oh, my God. Jamal Charles, 71 yards on the catch and run. Who sacked this guy this time? That was Derek Thomas. Yes, he oh, wait, no, I'm not sure. He was there that sacked the right. Make up your mind. Well, I don't know. He's made so many sacks today. It's all right. We're losing count. Chiefs history.
It was just six years ago today, December 15th, 2013. In their first year under Andy Reid, the Chiefs had started the season 9-0 before dropping three straight, all to division opponents. But they'd beaten the Washington Redskins the week before and now found themselves on the road against the 4-9 Oakland Raiders. After a 50-yard kickoff return from Quentin Demps, the Chiefs opened the game with a simple screen pass to Jamal Charles, who promptly rumbled 49 yards for a touchdown. It was going to be that kind of a day. In the very next drive, Alex Smith threw another screen pass to Charles, who scored from 39 yards out. Then there was another for 16 yards in the second quarter. In the third quarter, the Chiefs switched it up a little, sending Charles deep. He caught another touchdown pass, this one for 71 yards. Oh yeah, Charles also had a rushing touchdown in the game. Charles was targeted eight times that day, catching every one and scoring a touchdown on four becoming the only running back in the modern era to have four receiving touchdowns in a single game, as well as the only running back to average at least 24 yards on eight catches in a game. His 195 receiving yards that day was fifth most for a running back in NFL history. And yes, the Chiefs won 56-31, scoring the second most points in franchise history. I'm Arrowhead Pride Deputy Editor John Dixon with This Week in Chiefs History. Gotta love Jamal. Do you want to know who led the team, the Chiefs, in rushing yards that game? Who's that? Nile Davis. Oh, my. 34 yards. Jamal Charles only had 20 yards rushing. Two and a half yards uh, per carry and a touchdown. But the, the receiving was obviously uh, a little bit better. Nile Davis, blast from the past. I just, that's wild that Jamal Charles does all that and doesn't lead the team in rushing that game. It is crazy. I always felt strongly about Niall Davis and I always thought that he would at some point would somebody break out he had that like real quick cup of coffee with the Green Bay Packers mm -hmm. it just didn't didn't last for old Niall um a couple more notes from John who does a great job with this week in Chiefs history only one running back has ever scored more than five touchdowns in the game Gail Sayers scored six when the Bears beat the 49ers 62 to 10 on December 12th 1965 apparently good day for running backs that same day paul hornug scored five as the packers beat the colts 42 27 so 1965 only 11 running backs can't have scored five or more touchdowns in a game two chiefs are among them and the raiders were the opponent in each game abner haynes also scored five touchdowns when the dallas texans beat the raiders 43 to 11 on november 26 1961 the Chiefs have also been on the receiving end of such a game when Clinton Portis had five Ugh. touchdowns as the Broncos beat the Chiefs 45-27 to on December 7, 2003. So for the man who hates running backs, a lot of running backs history for you today, Ken. As much as uh, as much as much I my fantasy team would, would like to see Philip Lindsay score five touchdowns like Clinton Portis did, I, I hope they don't. <laughs> I hope the Chiefs win this football game by a lot. You know, we're talking about Chiefs history right now, and I'm just, like, looking at some of the videos that are coming out of Arrowhead. It looks like this, if the game is good, we'll have the makings of one of those games Chiefs fans remember because how how often do you get snow before the game where there's snow already on the field and then it's supposed to snow continually throughout the football game? Yeah, this is one of those rare conditions that you don't get very much in Kansas City. You know, even like last year, there was some snow games, but it wasn't like this. This is a this is this is Buffalo. This is the this is like a Buffalo game. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm excited to see what, what happens. And I hope Patrick Mahomes can play OK. And I hope nothing happens with his hand and all that stuff. It'd be kind of fun to see them just light up the scoreboard in the passing game. You know, because it, it, weird things happen like this all the time. I, I remember the, the Patriots did this 
like 10 years ago, they scored like 56 points in the snow, and they were just slinging it all over the field. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these videos. Philip Lindsay's out there with his wild hair and shorts in the snow. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, you hope the Chiefs can set the tone early in this one. Demarcus Robinson is starting snowball fights in warm-ups. <laughs> I love that. Can you even call them warm-ups? I think a lot of times we forget that these guys are kids. I mean, they're they in are? their early 20s. If we were out there in our early 20s, maybe even now. I'm in my early 30s. I'll throw a <laughs> snowball at you, Kent. Yeah, not us, buddy. I'm, 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 I'm past that. When we come back, we will welcome on, and I'm going to say this with the utmost respect, the number one leader of the Drew Locke fan club. His name is Jay Binkley. He's next on the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. 